ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah From the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger this evening ta'ala, we would like to continue with our discussion of the essay of the great scholar Al-Allama Hafiz Al-Hakami Rahimahullah entitled Alam al-Sunnah al-Manshura Li'atiqad al-Firqa al-Najiya al-Mansura In this essay, the Shaykh Rahimahullah, as we have mentioned on a number of occasions, has followed the pattern of the hadith which is known uh, as the hadith of Jibreel in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked and he explained the three degrees or levels or aspects of the deen of Allah that is Al-Islam, Al-Iman and Al-Ihsan and we have already discussed the first aspect that is Al-Islam and its pillars in which the Shaykh Rahimahullah has explained in some detail the first pillar of Islam that is the testimony or the two testimonies the Shahadatain of La ilaha illallah wa Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and we said that in this second aspect of the deen of Allah, that is Al-Iman, that the Shaykh also explains the pillars of Iman, the six pillars of faith, uh, making great emphasis on the first of them, Al-Iman Billahi, Azza wa Jalla. And he has offered a number of questions related to this pillar of faith, believing in Allah, Indeed, it is the most important of the pillars of faith and it is the essence of Islam and everything else is based upon it or is derived from it. In the last lecture, in lecture number six, we discussed the matters based upon the questions, uh, question number 38, the matter of the aspect of Iman after discussing the definition of Iman, that Iman increases and decreases and the proofs for that. Then we discussed the, another aspect of Iman that is that the Iman of the Mu'minun, the people of Iman, that their Iman varies or differs in terms of its superiority or completion or perfection, some of them being superior to others. And then we talked about the evidences that Al-Iman, when it is used in the general unrestricted sense, mutlaq, that it includes the whole of the deen and it includes any also al-Islam and that when it is used in the specific sense that is with tafsir then 
its meaning it is what we refer to as arkan al-iman al-sitta the six pillars of faith the evidences for these have been presented as well as the evidence from the Quran in general the collective evidence or the evidence for these pillars of faith collectively uh, and then we talked about the meaning of iman having faith in Allah Azza wa Jalla and the Shaykh uh, in this question he explained that having iman in Allah requires to believe in the existence of Allah yani wujud Zatihi Ta'ala, the existence of Allah's divine being. In addition to the Tawheed of Uluhiyyah, or as he referred to as Ilahiyyah, the Tawheed of Rububiyyah, and the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat. These three aspects of Tawheed uh, each require some discussion or explanation. Therefore, after that, the Shaykh explains specifically what is Tawheed al Ilahiyyah. The Tawheed of the Divinity of Allah or Uluhiyya or Ubudiyya that Allah alone deserves to be worshipped. And some of the scholars said that this Tawheed it is in reference to singling out Allah for the actions that the servants of Allah do for Him. Yani that which is owed to Allah, the acts of worship that the creatures do for Allah. This is what we are talking about when we talk about Tawheed and Ilahiyya or Ubudiyya. That all acts of worship that the servants do they should be given to Allah alone. As opposed to Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, which we will talk about, inshallah, this evening, which deals with the, the actions of Allah Himself, the actions that Allah does, such as creation and giving life, and causing death and controlling the affairs of the universe, and so on. So we talked about in the last, last lecture the Tawheed of Uluhiyyah, or Tawheed al-Ilahiyyah, and we said that, or the Shaykh said that it is singling out Allah for every act of worship, whether it is done openly or secretly, by speech or by action, and the negation of every type of worship to everything other than Allah, whoever it may be. Then we took the last question, question number 45, what is the opposite of Tawheed at Ilahiyyah? It is a shirk. And he said that there are two types of shirk, shirk akbar and shirk asghar. Shirk akbar, major shirk, it nullifies the Tawheed completely and Shirk Asghar it nullifies the perfection of a Tawheed yani it doesn't destroy one's Tawheed completely however it is no longer perfect if someone engages in Shirk Asghar minus Shirk okay after this the Shaykh explains in the question that we will take this evening what is these two what are these two types of Shirk what is Shirk Akbar and what is Shirk Asghar before explaining what are the other aspects of a Tawheed? And in this aspect of Tawheed is Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah or Tawheed al-Ubudiyyah and the opposite of it, it is Shirk of both, both types major Shirk as well as minor Shirk uh, The first question, it is question number 46 ما هو الشرك الأكبر? What is major Shirk? And the Shaykh rahimahullah he said it is when the servant of Allah, the creature takes something other than Allah as an equal to Allah, as a nib or as a partner or a rival to Allah, setting up something else from amongst the creatures as an equal or a partner or a rival to Allah. يُسَوِّهِ بِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ To take something from the creation and make it equal to Allah, to the Lord of the worlds. Which if anyone were to think about it, it's clear that it is clear error. 
to make anything in the creation equal to the creator of the, of the, of the creation, the creator of everything. He said, this shirk akbar, it is to love that thing which they have set up as an equal to Allah, Yarhamukallah. To love that one as one loves Allah. To love that one as one loves Allah. Or to fear that one as one fears Allah. To seek refuge or to take shelter in that one. To supplicate him. To fear him and to have hope in that one as well as to act or to request from that one and to rely upon him. Here in this in the examples that the Shaykh has given, and these are examples of the acts that are considered as major shirk, any yani loving, fearing, hope, seeking refuge in someone, having a reliance upon them. He has mentioned two words, وَيَخْشَاهُ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ And some of the scholars said the difference between al-khashya and al-khawf is that al-khawf, the general fear, it is when a person fears something, uh, with or without knowledge of that thing, and they might fear something that they don't know, something that they can't see or that is unknown to them, and that thing doesn't deserve to be feared. While al khashya, it is fearing something based upon knowledge, fearing Allah because of His greatness, and that indeed He deserves to be feared. Wallahu alam. In any case, these are examples of that the Shaykh has given of major shirk when someone sets up something as an equal or a partner sharing with Allah in these things that are his exclusive right love and hope and fear seeking refuge in him supplicating him uh, and relying upon him alone then he said after this he said يحبه كحب الله after this he said أو يطيعه في الله أو يتبعه على غير مرضات الله here he has included two other things as separate categories from what has been mentioned in these examples of love and hope and fear. He said, and also setting up something as an equal to Allah, it means that you obey that one in disobedience to Allah. You obey someone in that which is an act of disobedience to Allah. Or you follow someone in that which is not pleasing to Allah. And the great scholar, the student of Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah, Al-Allama ibn Qayyim, Rahimahullah, he has in his definition of a tagut, he has mentioned these three aspects. That the tagut, it means that a person go beyond the bounds. That they take something beyond the bounds that Allah has set in the deen, in the sharia. Either in one of three things. Min matbu'in, yani the thing or the one that is followed. Or ma'abudin, the one that is worshipped. Or muta'in, the one that is obeyed. So he mentioned three things, in ibadah, worship, and in ittiba' and following, and in ta'a, in obedience. Shirk is in all of these things, not only in that which is ibadah, but also in following someone or something in that which is displeasing to Allah, or obeying someone or something in that which is disobedience to Allah. This is also shirk, and it is major shirk. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us in the Quran in Surah Al-Nisa chapter 4 verse 59 Ya ayuhal ladhina amanu atiullah wa atiur rasul wa ulil amri minkum That we should obey Allah and obey the messenger And likewise we should also obey those in authority from amongst us, from amongst the Muslims So that obedience it is originally the right of Allah alone And Allah has ordered us to obey his messenger whom he has instructed 
what to order us with. So obedience to the Prophet ﷺ is obedience to Allah. And then he has coupled with this those who are in authority from amongst you as a secondary order, we obey them as long as what they command us with is in obedience, is in, in accordance with the Quran and in the Sunnah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the remainder of that ayat, وَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُ That if you differ about anything amongst yourselves or in what you have been ordered or commanded by those in authority from amongst you, فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُ Then return it or refer it back to Allah and His Messenger, to the Quran and to the Sunnah. Therefore the original authority is the authority of Allah alone and obedience is due to Allah alone and He has ordered us to obey His Messenger because He is the one who conveys the message and the instructions and the commands and prohibitions from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to His creatures. And likewise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-A'raf chapter 7 verse 3 اتبعوا ما أنزل إليكم لربكم ولا تتبعوا من دونه أولياء قليلا ما تذكرون اتبعوا ما أنزل إليكم من ربكم Allah ordered us al-ittiba' it is the following of that which Allah has revealed to us ولا تتبعوا من دونه and don't follow anything other than Allah or less than Allah from the awliya so here it is also clear to us in this verse that following or ittiba' it is following that which Allah has revealed that which is revealed in the Quran and the authentic sunnah and it is not Allowed. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا مِن دُونِهِ أَوْلِيَا Don't follow. It is not allowed. It is prohibited to follow anyone other than Allah who has been taken as awliya. But Allah alone, that which He has revealed, has the right to be followed. So here the shaykh, he has singled out any three categories or areas of major shirk. One of them in acts of ibadah. Any act of ibadah that is offered to other than Allah is major shirk that nullifies tawheed completely and takes a person out of Islam. And likewise from major shirk is obedience to anyone or anything in disobedience to Allah or following anyone in that which is not is this in that which is displeasing to Allah. All of this is going beyond the bounds, going beyond the bounds in follow and going beyond the bounds in obedience. And there is obedience, but that obedience has to be within the bounds of the Sharia. And there is also following, but that following has to be in accordance with what is pleasing to Allah, in accordance with what Allah has revealed. Then the Shaykh mentions other, then he mentions the evidences, the evidences for what he is saying here concerning the right of Allah alone to be worshipped and to be obeyed and to be followed, that which he has revealed. And the first of those evidences, it is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 48, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَيْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكْ بِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ افْتَرَى إِثْمًا عَظِيمًا That indeed Allah, He does not forgive that anything should be set up as a partner and associate with Him. Allah doesn't forgive it. لَا يُشْرِكْ لَا يَغْفِرْ أَيْ يُشْرَكْ Allah doesn't forgive it. وَيَغْفِرْ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكْ لِمَنْ But He forgives anything that is less than shirk to whomever He wills, if He wills. Anything that is less than shirk. And whoever commits shirk or associates something as an equal or a partner with Allah, then indeed that person has invented a tremendous sin. It is a, a, a tremendous sin, a terrible sin. 
Then he said also the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Nisa, same chapter, chapter 4, verse 116, a similar verse, the beginning of it is the same, that Allah does not forgive, that partners be set up with him, and he forgives anything that is less than that to whomever he wills. In this ayat, however, he closed it by saying, وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ ضَلَالًا بَعِيدًا That whoever commits shirk, associating something as an equal or a partner, or offering to them a share of what belongs to Allah alone, then that person has indeed ضَلَّ ضَلَالًا بَعِيدًا They have gone astray, not just gone astray, but ضَلَالًا بَعِيدًا They have gone far astray, far astray. They are not just off the path, but they are far off the path. So far that it is difficult for them to return. Shirk, it is so far off the path that it is difficult for one to return. Unless a person repents in their lifetime from that shirk with sincere repentance, Allah accepts the sincere repentance of those who turn to Him. Then He mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 72, إِنَّهُ مَا يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّارِ وَمَا لِلْظَالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَارِ But verily, indeed, the one who commits shirk with Allah, then indeed Allah has made forbidden for him حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ Allah has made it forbidden for that person to enter the paradise. Allah himself has forbidden that the person who dies on shirk, who dies having committed shirk without repenting from it, Allah has forbidden that person to enter the Jannah. And there's no helpers for the Zalimeen, yani the Mushrikeen. Here, Zulm, it means a shirk. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Hajj, chapter 22, verse 31. That whoever commits shirk, associating something as an equal or a partner with Allah, <coughs> then that it is as though that person has fallen from the sky, and the birds have snatched him up, or the wind has thrown him to a faraway place. This is the condition of the one who commits shirk. And then he said that there are other ayats other than these. And then he mentioned the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, which is a proof in this subject, of the seriousness of a shirk and what would be the condition of the people who commit shirk he said the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the hadith recorded by al-bukhari and muslim he said haqqullah ala al-ibad the right of allah over the creatures over his servants and ya'buduhu wa la yushriku bihi shay'an the right of allah over the servants is that they should worship him and he worship allah alone with tawheed and that they should not associate anything or anyone with him. This is the right of Allah, that we worship him alone and that we do not make anyone as a partner in that worship with which we offer to him. Not only is it the right of Allah that we worship him, but in addition to that we must worship him alone without associating anyone with him. وَحَقُّ الْعِبَادِ عَلَى اللَّهِ مَنْ لَا بِهِ شَيْئًا And the right of the servants over Allah and this right is not an absolute right. It is a right that Allah has given. It is not that the people actually have a right. Allah has rights over the creatures. He has created them. But the creatures don't have any right over Allah. Unless Allah out of His favor and His bounty and His mercy, He gives us some right. So He has given this right willingly out of His mercy and His bounty and His favor. The right of the servants of Allah is that Allah will not punish the one who does not 
associate anyone or anything with him. Yani the right of the servants is that whoever doesn't commit shirk, then Allah will not punish them. And of course this doesn't mean the absolute uh, escape from punishment of any type. Because if a person commits sin from which they didn't repent, then Allah, he might punish them justly for the sins that they have committed. Or he might forgive them. However, shirk he will not forgive. At least the other sins that are less than shirk, Allah might forgive it. Allah is forgiving, merciful. However, shirk will not be forgiven. Then the shaykh, he says, that those who have gone out of the deen by this, by the commission of shirk, he said, they are equal. Those al-mujahiru bihi, those who do it openly, wal-mubtinu lahu, and those who do it secretly. That they are equal. People who, who commit this shirk and this kufr, whether they do it openly or whether they hide and do it, it is the same. They are the same, he said. Yastawi fil khuruj shirk deen. Yani going out of the deen, they are equal in going out of the deen. Those who do it openly, al mujahir bihi, like the disbelievers of Quraysh and others besides them, and those who do it secretly, secretly, like the munafiqeen, al mukhadi'een. الَّذِينَ يُظْهِرُونَ الْإِسْلَامِ وَيُبْتِنُونَ الْكُفْرَ And they are equal, the, the, the pagan disbelievers like the Quraysh as well as those who are the munafiqeen, the hypocrites who, who seek to deceive Allah and those who believe and they deceive only themselves those who openly display Islam while they hide their kufr they are the same in kufr and they are the same in going out of Islam and in the end and in their final destination, the punishment of Allah, eternally in hellfire. And then he said, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verses 145 and 146, إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ فِي That verily the munafiqeen, those who openly display Islam, but they hide the kufr that is in their heart, he said they will be in the lowest place, in the lowest grade, or the lowest, uh, level of the fire and you will not find for them any helper إِلَّا الَّذِينَ تَابُوا وَأَصْلَحُوا وَعَتَصَمُوا بِاللَّهِ وَأَخْلَصُوا دِينَهُمْ لِلَّهِ فَأُولَئِكَ مَا الْمُؤْمِنِينَ except those who repented after this act of hypocrisy except those who repented and then they did, did good deeds Islah, they did the good the deeds of the correct deeds. And they hold fast to Allah, to the deen of Allah. And they make the deen purely for Allah alone. Yani making the intentions and whatever they do purely for Allah alone. He said, then these, they will be with the mu'mineen. They will be with the believers. Yani those who have committed uh, nifaq, hypocrisy. And then they repented from such and they corrected their deeds. And they hold fast to Allah, to the deen of Allah. And make the deen purely for Allah alone. Then these will be with the believers. And he said, وَغَيْرُ ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْعَيَاتِ And there are also other ayat of the Qur'an that convey this meaning or that prove this point of the seriousness of a shirk, a shirk al-akbar, major shirk which takes a person out of Islam, which nullifies tawheed. Uh, after this he mentioned the next question, number 47, مَا هُوَ الشِّرْكَ الْأَسْغَرْ What is minor shirk? And he said that the opposite of Tawheed, Uluhiyyah, it is Shirk. And Shirk is of two types, major Shirk and minor Shirk. And what we have discussed 
up until now it is major shirk that takes a person completely out of Islam and here the shaykh discusses the other type of shirk that a person should understand very well so that we do not confuse the two types of shirk and declare somebody to go out of Islam for committing an act of shirk which is not major shirk but is minor shirk indeed even minor shirk it is serious it is more serious than the most severe of major sins however it doesn't take a person completely out of Islam. So what is minor shirk? He said, "Huwa yasir Allah Taala." Yani, minor shirk. He said, "It is yasir arriya." is showing off, doing something to be seen or to be praised, ostentation. That this showing off, if it is done a little bit, yasir arriya. That means. Yani, if a person does it sometimes or a little bit, then this is minor shirk. And that means that there is a difference between that one and the one who does it all the time. For everything, every act of worship that they do, they do it to be seen, to be praised by others, for the people to see them and to think well of them. And this is different, this is not minor shirk. But minor shirk is the one who falls into this riyah, ostentation or showing off a little bit or occasionally or sometimes. And he said that this Riyah is that which is a part of or what is manifested in the person improving or beautifying the deed which they are doing, the act which they are doing, improving it. Though it is intended for Allah, it is meant, it is an act that should be done for Allah alone, but they do it because people are watching them. They do it because people see what they are doing and they want to be seen and they want to be praised. And when a person improves, the act of worship because they are seen by others and that act of worship should be done purely for Allah alone he said this is what he means by Arriya then he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Kahf chapter 18 verse 110 that whoever has hope of the meeting with his Lord whoever has hope Whoever expects and hopes for the day that they will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Yawm Qiyamah for their account to be taken and to be rewarded for Allah for what they have done in this world. Whoever has hope in that, the true believers, they hope for this day. They are living in this world refraining from that which Allah has prohibited and trying to fulfill the obligations which Allah has placed upon them in hope that for that day when they will meet the Lord and when they would be rewarded by Allah. He said, whoever has hope of the meeting with his Lord, then he must do the deed, righteous deeds. He must do righteous deeds. And he must not associate anyone with his Lord in that ibadah, the ibadah that he does. So this means that this ayat is an indication of the two conditions for the acceptance of deeds. And that is that they must be amal sali, righteous deeds. And righteous deeds are defined by the Sharia, by the Quran and Sunnah. What Allah considers as amal sali. It must be done correctly in accordance with the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, in accordance with the Sharia of Allah. And then it must be free of shirk. And it must have ikhlas to be free uh, from any type of shirk in that action which should be done for Allah alone. Then he said the saying of the Prophet ﷺ concerning minor shirk. The saying of the Prophet ﷺ, yani that the thing which I fear most for you, 
It is a shirk al-asghar, minus shirk. This is the wording as it is reported in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed, and it is declared to be a sahih narration according to Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah. Then he said, the author says, the Prophet ﷺ, after informing his companions, and it also includes those who would come after them, but these are the best of the creation after the Prophet, the Sahaba. He said to them, the thing that I fear most for you, Sahaba, it is a shirk al-asghar. Then what, what does he fear then for those who would come later? Not only shirk asghar, but shirk akbar. As we see today in the Muslim world, it is widespread that the Muslims are engaging in major shirk that takes a person out of Islam. He said, but the thing that I fear most for you, it is minor shirk. When he was asked yani, about what is minor shirk, فَقَالَ الْرِيَاءِ It is الْرِيَاءِ Ostentation And he feared He didn't fear that they would commit major shirk That they would worship something along with Allah Or offer anything that is the right of Allah to other than Allah But he feared that they might fall into this minor shirk uh, And then he said When he was asked about it He said it is And in another narration In the narration of Ibn Majah And it is also a Sahih narration Shaykh al-Bani declared it to be Hasim in the Sahih of the Sunan of Ibn Majah, and the Prophet ﷺ explained what is ar-riyah. He said, "It is yaqumu ar-rajulu fayusalli fayuzayinu salatahu bima yara min nazari rajulin." And in the text of the book, he said, "Min nazar, min nazari rajulin ilayhi." However, in the in the narration, as it is reported in the Sunan of Ibn Majah, it is like I have mentioned it, yani that. Uh, the explanation of riyah is that a person stands up to perform prayer and then he beautifies his prayer لِمَا يَرَى مِن نَذَرِ رَجُلٍ يعني as a result of the fact that somebody is looking at him a person is looking at him, seeing him for that reason he, he beautifies or improves his prayer and this is what the Prophet described, or this is how he described al-riyah, this is an example of riyah. And actually in the narration of, in the Sunan of Ibn Majah, the expression that was used in that hadith is a shirk al-khafi. A shirk al-khafi, it is another expression uh, that means the same thing, it is hidden shirk. And a shirk al-khafi, it means a type of shirk that is hidden, that the person who is doing it might not even realize it or notice it. And a person is not aware of it, not like the open shirk, like the person who is worshipping an idol or going to a grave or making a sacrifice to a, to a so-called saint or something like this. But this type of shirk, any ostentation, it is something that the person might not even be aware of. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, this is what I fear most for you and his companions and then more so for those who would follow them. Then the Shaykh he says that there are other types also of minor shirk and from amongst them he said is al-half bighayrillah swearing by other than Allah swearing by other than Allah is a type of shirk minor shirk he said like the one who swears by their fathers or by the andad those rivals the, the false gods that they have set up as equals to Allah or swearing by the Kaaba or swearing by al-amana by trust by the trust uh, or other than that, swearing by anything other than Allah. Then he mentions a number of narrations of hadith. Some, most of them he have just mentioned a portion of the hadith. And we will just mention them as he has mentioned them. Otherwise, some of them, the complete narrations of them are a little bit lengthy. However, there is some benefit if anybody wants to follow them. 
Here he mentions the saying of the Prophet وسلم, that's reported in the Sunan of Nasai and the Sunan of Abu Dawood from Abu Hurairah in the Hadith of Sahih. He said, the Prophet وسلم, said, لا تحلفوا بآبائكم ولا بأمهاتكم ولا بالأنداد That you must not swear by your fathers or your mothers or by those rivals that have been set up as equals to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he said the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, Don't say Wal-Ka'ba, yani, I swear by the Ka'ba. But you should say, I swear by the Lord of the Ka'ba. Not by the Ka'ba, but by the one who is the Lord of the Ka'ba. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he mentioned the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, لا تحلفوا إلا بالله يعني that you should not swear except by Allah يعني don't swear by anything except Allah and the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, من حلف بالأمانة فليس منا that whoever swears by Al-Amana, by the trust whoever swears by Al-Amana, then he is not from us and this hadith also was declared to be sahih after that he mentioned the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam مَنْ حَلَفَ بِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ أو فَقَدْ كَفَرَ أو أَشْرَكَ And it is reported in this way Whoever swears by other than Allah Then that person has fallen into kufr Or shirk فَقَدْ كَفَرَ أو أَشْرَكَ And in some of the narrations he said It is mentioned فَقَدْ كَفَرَ that the person has fallen into both kufr and shirk. And these narrations are all يعني, authentic narrations. Likewise, he said, from that which is considered as minor shirk, the sayings that someone says, which uh, it is a means of shirk also. From amongst those sayings, he said, that if a person says, MashaAllah wa shi'ta, MashaAllah wa shi'ta, يعني, it is the will of Allah and your will. It is the will of Allah and your will. This statement, it is also, it is a statement of shirk. However, it is minor shirk. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he said to the one who said that to him, MashaAllah wa shi'ta, it is your will. He was speaking to the Prophet ﷺ, he said it is in accordance with your will, with the will of Allah and your will. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, أَجَعَلْتَنِي لِلَّهِ نِدًّا بَلْ Allah wahda." The Prophet ﷺ said to him, Have you made me as a nid, as an equal or a rival to Allah? Have you made me equal to Allah? He said, Rather you should say, MashaAllah wahda. That it is the will of Allah alone. Because it is the will of Allah that is executed, not the will of the creatures, whoever they may be. Likewise, he said, From those things which are minor shirk, he said, It is the saying, Lawla Allah wa anta. That if it wasn't for Allah and you, and in something the person is saying to someone, if it wasn't for Allah and you, then such and such would not have happened, or I would not have gotten something good or whatever, that if it wasn't for Allah and you. And here, uh, it is in these statements, the shirk is that the, the will of the creature is made equal to the will of Allah, or the help or support of the creature is made equal to the support of Allah. Then he said, وَمَا لِي إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَأَنْتَ Someone saying that I have no one except Allah and you. Except Allah and you. Making the person equal to Allah. 
in terms of that one who they rely upon and that they have hope in. Or he said, وَأَنَا دَاخِلٌ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَعَلَيْكَ وَأَنَا دَاخِلٌ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَعَلَيْكَ يعني that some of the people of knowledge, they said that the meaning of دَاخِلٌ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَعَلَيْكَ it means that الْعَثِمَاد or الْإِلْتِجَاد that I am relying upon Allah and you. Because the person who enters, who goes to someone, يعني they are normally going to that person to seek some help, to get some benefit from them. So some of the scholars, they said that the meaning of أَنَا دَاخِلٌ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَعَلَيْكَ It means that I am relying upon, or I am depending upon, or I am seeking help and refuge from Allah and from you. All such statements, he said, that these are shirk, minor shirk. The Prophet ﷺ said in the authentic hadith, لَا تَقُولُوا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ وَشَاءَ فُلَانِ Don't say it is the will of Allah and the will of so-and-so. وَلَكِنْ قُولُوا but what you should say is that it is the will of Allah and then after that, following that, subject to the will of Allah, then you might say and it was the will of Allah and then after that it, is, it was the will of the, uh, so-and-so, a particular person. And the best of what may be said is the hadith that was mentioned previously that one should say uh, that it is the will of Allah alone. However, if you said this is allowed, as the Shaykh said here, that the Ahlul Ilm, the scholars said, it is permissible to say, Lawla Allah thumma fulan. That if it wasn't for Allah and then after, if it wasn't for so and so. But it is not permissible to say, Lawla Allah wa fulan. That if it wasn't for Allah and so and so. Then the Shaykh explains the difference between saying if it wasn't for Allah and then so and so. A uh, difference between that and saying if it wasn't for Allah and so and so or the will of Allah and then the will of so-and-so. He said, what is the difference between al-wa'u wa thumma fi hadhi al-alfaz? Yani, what is the difference between the use of the uh, conjunction wa'u, which means and, you and so-and-so, or thumma, which means yani, that something is coming after, following or subject to something else that is before. What is the difference between the use of these two expressions uh, in what has been mentioned previously. The Shaykh says that the, the difference between them is that the atif, the conjunction wow, and, A and D, that this, uh, it indicates or necessitates, yani the use of it necessitates al-muqarana wa taswiyah. Yani it necessitates that you are making a comparison or making equal the two things that are joined with and Allah and so and so. It means that you are comparing them, comparing the creature to Allah or making the creature equal to Allah. In this case, whoever said, MashaAllah wa shi'ta, then they have made a comparison between the will of, of the servant and the will of Allah and they have made uh, the will of Allah, they have made that person's will equal to the will of Allah. As opposed to if we join the two things together with the expression thumma, and this he said it indicates tabariyah, and it indicates that something is following something else. Thumma, it is following it and it is subject to it. That this is first and this is what really counts and what comes after that is secondary. It is not really the principal uh, factor. So he said, whoever said, MashaAllah thumma shi'ta, that it is the will of Allah and then your will, or it was the will of Allah and then your will. 
He said that person has acknowledged that the will of the creature is subject to and following the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that the will of that person will not be executed illa ba'daha except after the will of Allah. And the will of the human being is not executed unless it, unless it is in agreement with what is the will of Allah. And this is as is mentioned in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Insan, chapter 76, verse 30, That you, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ That you, meaning the creatures, that you do not will anything, except if Allah wills it. Unless it is in agreement or in accordance with the will of Allah, then your will cannot be executed. It will happen. Indeed, Allah is the one who is all-knowing and wise. And similar to this is the statement in Surah Al-Taqwiyah, chapter 81, verse 29. That you will not will, and you will not have, have, and you will not see the execution of your will unless Allah, who is the Lord of the world, unless He wills. So that the will of the creature is subject to the will of Allah. And this is important in reference to the principle or the pillar of faith that is Al-Qadr and Qadr to understand that the correct position of the people of Sunnah is that the human being does have limited free will but not absolute will the human being is not without will totally nor does the human being have absolute free will but the human being has will which is subject to the will of Allah and many of the Muslims in the past have deviated on this point some of them going to either of the two extremes saying the human being has no will that the human being only is subject to whatever Allah wills the human being does without having any choice in the matter, which is absolutely wrong. And those who went to the other extreme, saying the human being has absolute free will, and that Allah has no control over what the human being does, which is also absolutely wrong. But the human being has some will, and has knowledge of what is right and wrong through the sending of the prophets and the revelation of the scriptures. And then the human being has a choice and the ability to execute their will so that they are accountable by Allah and Yom Qiyam. Otherwise, if the human being has no will, how can Allah punish them for what they have done? And how can we accept that a creature has absolute will that is independent and free of the will of Allah who is Rabbul Alameen, who controls everything in the universe? The next question the Shaykh mentions is, what is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah? And we have discussed one of the aspects of Tawheed, Tawheed al-Uluhiyya or Ilahiyya. Yani that is singling out Allah, singling out Allah for every act of worship and obedience and following that which He has revealed. And here the Shaykh talks about Tawheed al-Rububiyya. The Tawheed in Lordship. Yani Tawheed meaning singling out Allah as being the only one. Yani who is the Rabb, the Lord of all the worlds. The one who created and who creates and the one who owns and possesses and the one who controls and disposes of the affairs of the universe as he wills. What is Tawheed al-Rububiyya? He said, it is al-Iqra al-Jazim bi-anna Allah ta'ala rabbu kulli shayin wa malikuhu wa khaliquhu wa mudabbiruhu wal mutasarrifu fihi That it means that a person has a firm, resolute admission or confession or acknowledgement of the fact that Allah the Most High, that He is the Lord of everything and the owner of everything. That He is the Rabb, the Lord of everything. Kulli shay. Wa malikuhu. And He is the one who owns it. He is the one who controls and owns everything. Khalik wa khalikuhu. He is the creator of everything. Wa mudabbiruhu. 
and the one who manages or arranges the affairs of everything in the creation والمتصرف فيه the one who has absolute uh, free this right to uh, of disposal of everything in the universe Allah does whatever he wills he is the one who has the right to do whatever he wills with his creatures so this is the meaning of tawheed ar-rububiyyah that Allah is the Rabb he is the Lord of everything the owner the creator the one who arranges and manages the affairs and who controls and does what he wills with his creatures and then he said in addition to this and that this is the meaning of Tawheed or Rububiyyah and the affirmation of these things for Allah alone and the other side of it is the negation of anything and the negation of any of this for the creatures he said لم يكن له شريك في الملك that Allah never had and never has he doesn't have any partner in his sovereignty over the creation that Allah is the sovereign alone and he has no partner in that there's no one who shares even a little bit of it with him and he has no supporter waliyun min al yani he doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mighty and majestic therefore he doesn't have any he, he has no need for anyone to support him or to help him in his controlling of the universe nor is there anyone who can reject or defy the command of Allah there's no one who can reject what Allah has ordered nor anyone who can rectify or amend or challenge the hukm of Allah, Allah's judgment or ruling in the matter. There's no one who can come after him, after he has ruled, and modify what he has ruled, or amend what he has ruled, or challenge what Allah has decreed. And there's no one who can oppose him. And there's no one similar to him. Wala samiyun lahu. And there's no one who is who has a name, and who is named with a name and the meaning is applicable to that one equally as it is applicable to Allah la samiyan lahu there is no one that is named with a name even if somebody is named alim or hakim or aziz or azim that name its application of the reality of the meaning of it no one will have that would have equality in the meaning of that name with Allah wala munazi'an fi shay'in min ma'ani rububiyyah Yani, nor is there anyone who can dispute or challenge or contest his authority in any of the things or in any of the aspects of his rububiyyah. Yani, there is no one who can contest or challenge Allah in any of the meanings or the aspects of what is entailed in our rububiyyah, nor in that which necessarily results from his names and his sifat. Yani, muqtadiyat asma'ihi wa sifatihi it means that there is no one who can challenge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.